When American film actor Robin Williams, who suffered from depression, committed suicide a few years ago, Kenyan humor writer Ted Melanda said, I can't wrap my mind around the fact that depression is an illness. In fact, it is such a non-issue that African languages never bothered to create a word for it. He wrote this in his newspaper, The Standard, under the headline, How Depression Has Never Been an African Disease. Mr. Melanda's scornful quip captures the general African attitude towards an epidemic of mental illness on the continent. Hello, this is episode three of Motherhood, Money, and Mental Health. Today's topic, we will be discussing mental health and the African immigrant community. My name is Wadi. And my name is Sammy. Welcome. And we, especially me, I am super excited to be doing this episode. Um, Mental health has been my passion for many years, and especially within the African immigrant community. These are two things that I'm super passionate about. I'm I'm passionate about mental health, and I'm passionate about African and anything African. So I'm super excited today to be joining my co-host and a guest that we will introduce in a minute, um, just to talk about these this, this important topic within our community. Like Wadi mentioned, we have a guest today, and this is our first guest since we launched Motherhood, Money, and Mental Health. And we are excited to have Tanya join us today in the conversation about mental health. Tanya has been in uh, this field for over 20 years, and I'll it over to Tanya who will introduce herself. Tanya, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, ladies. I'm super excited to be on this podcast for this episode today. Um, My name is Tanya Greaves Young and I am a mental health licensed professional clinical counselor. Like Sammy said, I have been in this field for over 20 years. My passion is working with people who are marginalized and underserved. Um, yeah, so I, my professional background, I have a master's in counseling psychology with a focus on community and mental health. Um, currently, I am the founder of Peace Be Still. I'm also a program manager of a local agency, nonprofit agency within the Twin Cities that provides services for persons that have severe and persistent mental illnesses. So that's about me briefly, professionally. Um, On the personal side, I love anything that has to do with social justice, women, advocacy. I'm a very strong proponent of civic work, especially as it has to do with the Liberians in the diaspora, firmly believing in blooming where you're planted. Um, Personally, I am a wife and a mom of three daughters and I'm raising them here in the northern suburbs of Minnesota. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Wade, uh, who is my co-host on this podcast, is also a therapist and has worked in this field for a long time. So uh, Wade, can you speak a little bit to your back, your professional background? Well, like Tanya, I've been in this field for a long time. Um, I have over 19 years of experience working as a mental health practitioner and 
that range from just starting off as a personal care attendant to um, currently being certified. I'm not certified, but currently um, having a marriage and life, a marriage and family therapy masters. Um, so I have been um, working as a therapist for about um, a year now, and um, I've worked with uh, couples, families, individuals. Um, I'm also a children's mental health case manager with um, Ramsey County, and so therapy or mental health is my passion, and I've done this for so many years, and I just enjoy empowering people and bringing hope and supporting people in a way that feels genuine to the person I'm working with. Thank you, Wade, and thank you again for joining us, Tanya. So for this episode, um, we'll just jump right in. I'll be asking Tanya and Wade questions regarding mental health, and they will share their own uh, professional and personal experiences in this field. Well, what's here, mental health? Um, Tanya, I'll, I'll pose this to you first. Can you tell me what mental health means, and what um, what and what is uh, mental illness, and what you know what is the difference there? Okay, so mental health is basically the state of your mental well-being. Okay, so mental health, just like how we have physical health, we have mental health. Everybody has um, a mental well-being, so that's our mental health. And then mental health exists on a continuum. Your mental health can be in a good place or your mental health could be a little bit more escalated. So it exists on a continuum from mild to severe. So when we start to have, um, when we talk about mental illness, that is when we're getting into more of the clinical terms, when we're getting to more diagnoses. That's when your mental health well-being is now more on the border of moderate and severe. And usually to have a mental illness, it's not something you just come up like how you say, I have the flu, you know? Um, to be diagnosed with a mental illness is, to be diagnosed with a mental illness is something you have to be diagnosed by a psychiatrist or a licensed professional. So to receive that diagnosis is something you have to be um, received by a trained professional. It's not something you can, you know, upon yourself. And like I said, usually it exists on a continuum. And when you're in the moderate zone to the severe zone, that's when you seek someone like a psychiatrist or a psychologist, someone who has the licensure to diagnose you with a mental illness. Okay. Wada, do you want to add anything to that? Oh, I think she captured it well. The part that I really want um, people to kind of pay attention to is the fact that, you know, you are healthy. You can be healthy physically and you can be healthy mentally. So health is health. Um, but you can, like she says, say it's on a continuum. So you can be mentally well, um, which means your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings, your ability to solve problems, overcome difficult social situations, social connections, they are all intact. And then it can go from that mental mental wellness all the way to 
um, where you become, you start having issues and, and things start happening in your life to change your state of um, mental wellness to kind of pushing you along the, the, the continuum from wellness all the way to illness. Okay. And it can happen at any point in, you know, along the, you can be at any point on the continuum. You can um, go from um, somewhere in the middle to, you know, being well, you can go from well, and it, it doesn't, there, it's something that happens. It can happen at any point in your life, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Okay. And so it's not something that, you know, and it can be something it different from, from person to person. So what can be triggering and causing a change in your mental health for you will be different for me. And I think that's just, you know, an important piece to add into that. Okay, so what would you ladies say are some of the causes uh, of mental illness? Okay. Okay, sure. So when we talk about, you know, what are some of the causes Mm -hmm. of mental illness. Mental illness, some causes of mental illness can be attributed to um, to several things, right? Um, some people, it can be due to severe psychological trauma. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you suffered something, uh, you suffer a trauma as a child, such as emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, you know, um, early losses, you know, all those type of psychological traumas can may contribute now because and we're going to talk about that later when we talk about our own personal stories okay mm -hmm. um and that's when we talk about the whole piece of resiliency because not because someone went through a trauma automatically means that they're going to have mental um mental uh, mental illness right okay right. um so just being being aware of that and so yes some of them are psychological factors and then also with mental illness, it can be a chemical imbalance, mm -hmm. okay? So, and some of these chemical um, imbalances show up later in life. Like, especially when we're talking about things such as our, um, our mood disorders, or thought disorders, you may have someone progressing through childhood, adolescence, seemingly fine, okay? And then somewhere in the early adulthood, when I'm thinking about what thought disorders, things like schizophrenia, somewhere around mid or early 20s, or young men especially are more prone to this, start to um, display more psychotic features. So for some people, it can be a, you know, a chemical imbalance. Um, can be some, when we talk about causes of, of um, mental illness. Okay. Why do you wanna to add to that? Yeah, again, you know, I, I will keep stressing that it varies from person to person, right? Mm -hmm. And the way I see us, it's like we have a balance, a center, a place of, you know, mental wellness. So anything that disrupts that or is a change can be a reason or a cause of any of mental illness. So stress, you know, some sort of stress that is probably more so than that person can handle. Um, a life change, you know, and so for some of us, it can be a childbirth, it could be marriage, it could be homelessness, it could be anything, you know, just even a diagnosis or some, um, say for example, somebody that's diagnosed with cancer or something that maybe they feel that is really, you know, stressful or something difficult to handle. Um, it could be just maybe a life changing event or even just your life being stagnant. And I think even, um, 
Tanya talked about like you know neglect um again not, what was it childhood trauma it could be you know just a lack of some things in your childhood you know just maybe a lack of finances a lack of um love a lack of you know it it doesn't have to be necessarily something done to you but it could be something that was not done or something that was missing so you know it depends on the individual and how they their brain works and how they choose to handle something but it could be a, it, it is usually a change in uh some life um situation that that person have a difficult time handling or is not having the the proper supports i should say Okay. So, uh what would you, what are some of the symptoms? Oh man. <laughs> I mean there's uh, you know many different symptoms of you know of your mental well-being not being at its optimum. So we have things like excessive worrying or fear, you know, feeling excessively sad or low, you know, sometimes confused thinking or problems concentrating. um learning some learning issues that comes with the concentrations you know um extreme mood changes you know uncontrollable high so you's like this person is so hyper one day when they're up they're up when they're down they're down, down, down. right yep. so yep. extremes extreme feelings of that then prolonged or strong feelings because we all have moments in which we get irritable you know irritable or moments in which we become angry but prolonged or strong feelings of irritability or anger some of those can be you know warning symptoms difficulties um understanding or relating to other people um ex- um extreme changes in our sleeping habits always feeling tired you know we in this society we work hard we play hard we give of ourselves 110% So sometimes it's it's kind of like it becomes normal for mm-hmm. us to always be running on low energy but I mean for you to always be feeling tired that low that very low energy you know where you really have to prompt and force yourself to do anything um those are some signs changes in our eating habits mm-hmm. you know such as increased hunger or lack of appetite you know the body when the body isn't well emotionally either you get to the point where you feel like i just want to go ahead and um my my appetite has become insatiable or there's not an appetite at all you know um changes in sex drive you know for men and women the li- the libido can increase or decrease right yeah you know um and then again then we're going to the low to the on the psychotic side difficulty perceiving reality okay so that's when the delusions or hallucinations come to play like you may be watching tv and then you just stuck on this number that came on the tv let's say 444 and you feel 444 has a meaning to you and or someone say something in a commercial you feel that commercial is specifically talking to you mm-hmm. you know or just being extremely paranoid people are looking for you people are out to get you people are looking mm-hmm. at you uh, people are making judgments against you you know and i'm just not talking about like a general sense of anxiety you may feel walking into a new situation this is something that's repeated and is constant it's like your mind is stuck on this um most of the time right yeah that's okay. true um 
You want to add to some of that too, um, Wadia? Yeah. Um, there's some, like, you know, some of them that are also atypical. So you have things like gathering items, uh, hoarding, mm-hmm. um, just gathering things that you don't need more than you need. Um, somebody just being overly neat and organized, you know, and kind of very obsessive about being sure that it is, you know, it's, it's in that right in that order all the time. Um, somebody who have a hard time connecting or committing. Um, nail biting can be a symptom. Teeth grinding. Somebody who overly exercises. Um, you know, like it, sometimes we see, you know, our guys out there and you think, oh, this guy is just super you know, excited about, you know, being fit and looking good, but sometimes it can just be a symptom of something else. Um, maybe uh, somebody who is super shy or somebody who is very um, overly friendly, uh, somebody who struggles with boundaries and doesn't know when to not be in someone's space. And, you know, I know like Tanya mentioned intimacy. Some people who are people pleasers, mm. People who are very, very critical of themselves or others, you know, always seeing a negative. Yeah. So all mm-hmm. symptoms, mental illnesses. Yeah. I mean, and and for me, you know, you talk about somebody who's overly friendly. I would not have thought that <laughs> to be like, you know, like some kind of issue, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, I know some of the symptoms that I've seen in my own life. It's like when I first, when I had my son, postpartum mm-hmm. depression was real and intense. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had that for a long time. I would say like over a year, right? Um, another uh, way it shows up for me is loss of motivation. Yeah. You know, I love working out. I love doing a lot of stuff. And then there are times where um, I just don't feel, you know, that motivation is just not there to do certain things. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. So some of these symptoms, you know, um, they show up and, and, and sometimes, you know, if you don't have these conversations or if you don't know, you don't even know that this could be an issue, right? This could be something yeah. that you will be battling for a long time, but because you don't think that it's an issue, it could go on and on and, and, and turn into situations where, you know, you could become sick, right? It could, mm-hmm. uh, um, affect you in a negative way, impact your health in all kinds of ways. So, um, so, um, what are some of the stigmas? Because, you know, people, now that we're having a conversation, people are going to, like, you know, you you guys are listing all of these symptoms, right? And I'm, like, checking stuff off in my head, right? So people mm-hmm. listening to the podcast today will say, you know what? I have some of these symptoms, right? But mm-hmm. people, uh, because of stigmas, we will not seek help for some of these issues. So what are some of the stigmas associated with, with uh, mental illness that we see, especially within our community? You know, our community, we tend to pathologize mental illness. You know, it's it's bad, it's negative, it's not something we want to associate with. You know, from our own um, knowledge of our country, a lot of um, people that have mental illness and, and when we see it, we see it at the very severe stage where mm-hmm. that person has been struggling with, with this thing for years and years and now their family can't contain them and they are, you know, walking the streets naked and no yeah. one is, you know, caring for them and they're just doing their own thing. And, you know, so that's that's when we in our community see or think of mental illness. We think mm-hmm. that man that walked in the street. So I'm not that man. Yeah, I am fine. Yeah. I, I can I can think for myself. I can dress myself. And I'll just tell you a quick little thought and story. When I was going through the war, we had a 
member, a family member that was um, dealing with schizophrenia. And she was one of the most cleanest, neatest, well-dressed person. And at some point, the rebels got a hold of us and they said, um, you know, they were trying to get information out of her. And she was just saying a lot of things that weren't true. So in this moment, these guys were, you know, chastising us and wanting to harm us. And we kept saying, this woman is not okay. And all he kept saying was, look how clean she is. Look how well-dressed she is. Yeah. You wow. can't be crazy. You can't tell me that something's wrong with her. And we mm-hmm. kept trying and trying. And it, I mean, anyway, it was a long time trying to convince this guy that this woman had a mental illness. And, you mm-hmm. know, in my, in my life now. So one of the things of the fear is that, you know, people don't want to actually be seen as that. They don't want to be mm-hmm. labeled as that, you know. Mm-hmm. They don't want to see themselves as that person in the street walking around. And then they fear the system, you know. Mm-hmm. Where, where if I go to go and see a, a, a therapist, they're going to have to put a diagnosis on me in order to build my insurance. So I don't want to have that on my record. I don't want it to stop me from getting this job. I don't want it to stop me from, you know, going through this specific program. So that's a stigma. And what is the intent of this therapist, especially with children? If I take my child to this person, are they going to put things in their heads that's going to make them, you know, say things that's not true? So, for example, when I came from Liberia in the war, um, the first, my first physical, uh, the doctor told my, my, my father, this child has been through a lot. Mm. You know, I think you need to have her see a therapist. My father laughed. He said, oh, I will be a therapist. Don't worry about it. And so when we, and he tells that story today. You know, like, you know, it's a great thing, which I mean, my father's a good guy and don't get me wrong, but it's also the fear because I, all I can remember hearing him say to people were, was, um, what if they go tell her to tell, like to say that she's being molested or raped or something like that. And so they were afraid that the, the therapist or whomever it was would put like suggestions in my head that wasn't there or just misinterpret something I say and start, you know, um, calling different authorities and different people that, that, that are necessary. So there's a fear of that. You know, what's the intent of the therapist? What's the intent of the system? Um, do they want to put me on medication? Am I going to be sedated all the time and not, you know, that's that's one fear. That's one um, stigma. Um, you know, people will start treating me differently when they find out that I have a diagnosis or I'm seeing a therapist, you know. Um, can I go see a therapist in my neighborhood? People are gonna see me differently, and when they know that I'm walking into that prop into that situation, because then they see me as somebody with a mental health issue. Will I be seen as weak? You know, because we are black people. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to be the backbone of society, yeah. especially black women. You know, we're strong mm-hmm. black women. So, yeah. am I gonna be seen as weak if I decide to go right. see a therapist? Yeah. You know, um, Tanya, you can add on there. You know, yeah. Um, that, that is so true you know the stigmas really just keep us um isolated and mm-hmm. sometimes the stigmas within our community thinking about us with the diaspora community uh, community us from african background thinking maybe oh there's some type of um spiritual imbalance or yeah. some type of curse yeah. or your people didn't sacrifice you or <laughs> yeah. you know Mm-hmm. when it stood in the gap for some type of demon and this thing has not entered my child mm-hmm. and feeling that we have to do all these uh, religious rituals right. to you know to get rid of whatever is bothering you mentally because you know it is not normal mm-hmm. you know and yes there's nothing wrong with believing your whatever your faith outlook is right but just understanding that we are now in a culture where there is some there's some help 
And so if that person presents to you at your church or your prayer group, and you guys have done all the spiritual rituals, it still seems to be, the symptoms seems to be escalating or they are remaining. Thinking about there are some resources for us to to reach out and talk, Mm -hmm. okay? And I think that's the whole um, purpose that we're having this conversation to to normalize these um, experiences and these stigmas. Because um, what happens is when we don't talk about it, it creates some type of self-doubt and shame for the person who's going through, okay? Because you start to feel alone. You start to feel, but what's wrong with me, okay? So you start to doubt yourself. You start to be um, ashamed. You start to isolate yourself. Mm -hmm. And isolation is not healthy. Because what happens is it just worsens. What happens is you you learn to become cunning, yeah, to hide it. You yeah. learn to hide it, you know? And just like we don't judge people for having diabetes, we don't judge people, God forbid, if they have cancer or anything, yeah. we shouldn't judge other people if they have a mental illness, um, a mental health diagnosis, you know, a diagnosis. Um, that doesn't make you, that doesn't define you. Just like mm-hmm. you can say, oh, I'm a person who has diabetes. I'm a person who suffers from hypertension. I'm a person who suffers from anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, just saying that does that doesn't define me. That's just not all who I am because I battle with this um, anxiety. You know, and if it's helpful, join. You know, find a support group. Yeah, and that normalizes the experience because you find and you hear your stories told through so many other people, and then it starts to feel like, oh, I'm not the only person who's going through yeah. this. You know. And then once you have normalized that, you yourself become a voice to speak out against the stigma. So we can help each other, help each other in our community, talk about things like suicidality, talk about things like, you know, um, trauma, how it has impacted us and whatnot in our our society. So we can't just um, keep these um, things to themselves, to ourselves. I agree. You know, there's some of the common things like breakup, you know, in relationships. Yeah. People, they, they struggle with it, you know what I mean? We, yes. they, we. I have had my own instances, but you struggle with it and, and sometimes you, you, you don't have nobody to talk to. You don't know where to turn. You don't even know how to address the issue. You know, you see a lot of us becoming, you know, just maybe violent, upset, angry, doing things that's out of character. And it, it can just also be like a... a like a, a psychological break, something has happened. Mm-hmm. A part of you have changed. A life situation had, you know, impacted you. But mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just a matter of us, you know, kind of going to the right places, finding the right supports, talking to the right people. Because sometimes we talk to the wrong people and we yeah. get the wrong advice. But it's just a matter of us kind of seeking help and and like Tanya saying, normalizing this thing. You know, yes, it's okay to um to get upset because or not get upset, but to have to have a part of your personality altered because you have dealt with a, bro- a breakup. It's okay to have a part of your personality altered because you, um, you're dealing with having a baby. You're dealing with a new marriage. I mean, mm-hmm. so many things that happen that make people, you know, uh, mental health kind of get out of whack. But we got to be able to support one another and not to, like, shame the person for having those right. concerns. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, I can I can share a, a personal story. Um, 
and I'll just give a, a, a short context and then this is about about me and not to put so much on um, my family but on January 31st of 2016 my brother's uh, my brother was found okay he was abducted on the 29th tortured and murdered okay and this um, it was a very big public ordeal and dealing with grief publicly versus dealing with um, grief privately are very different. Very different. And I'm speaking from experience because I had lost my father, I had lost my sister, so I had had my fair share of deaths, you know, aunts, grandparents, all that stuff. And most of that were, you know, natural causes, you know, I lost my father to cancer, I lost my sister at an early age in a car accident. So all these things, you know, had I had had my share of experience with death. Death was not a stranger um, to me. But a traumatic death, a murder, was definitely a stranger to me. Yeah. This was nothing that anybody in my family had ever experienced, nothing I had ever experienced. And it took me back to a time and, and a time and place in my life that I didn't even think I was gonna go back to. It took me back to being a child um, in Liberia who had gone through different coup d'etats and the cups of the Civil War and stuff like that. Um, Self-disclosure, my family was very political on the political scene. So usually during the coups, we were targeted and stuff. And I remember at a young age, feeling so fearful feeling so nervous feeling so scared because so many of our um, fan friends of the family and family members have been targeted uh, some of our friends fathers have been killed a lot of our close family friends and relatives have been killed during the coup and stuff um, and it was always that fear will my father be next will our family be next so I can remember from a young age, probably at like about seven or eight, I had started to deal with this extreme fear. In my later years, I learned that this extreme fear was called anxiety. Okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm talking to you guys now, I'm rocking back and forth because then now it starts to, I can, I can manifest it, I feel it physically. Okay? Um, I feel like very cold. Um, I feel shaky. Okay, um, anxiety for me manifests as a loss of appetite, mm -hmm. restlessness, um, sleep disturbances. I'm not a good sleeper at all, intermittent sleep. And with my brother's uh, murder, all of those feelings were so heightened. So you see, we're talking about things historically that I experienced as a child and felt that I had dealt with it. And it just took one incident. One trigger, yeah. One trigger to bring everything back into full Monty. And honestly, I felt like I was losing my mind. Mm. I could not focus. I was extremely paranoid. I will walk a place and I still do that. I'm scanning. Mm. If I'm in public places, I'm scanning like where are the cameras? Um, in closed places like garages, elevators, no. Being around strange people, no. Being in crowds, oh my word. 
you know so just thinking about how um how trauma can impact you and then i the therapist in me tries to do this thing we call <laughs> therapy is here reality fact checking mm-hmm. reality what testing, is real, right? what's not exactly <laughs> so trying to and, and during those time i was trying to give myself some you know fact check tanya you are all the way here in minnesota who coming here to come kidnap you mm-hmm. who coming here to come harm you that you scared to get out of your house you know but still the mind is so powerful yeah yeah it doesn't matter mm. how far you are the mind is telling you that you are at risk you yeah. are in danger yeah yeah you know so like a lot of child like um coping tendencies came back to play with me as a grown woman what used to make me feel safe during those time as a child was like you go hide if anything kind of so you can come for your the hide you go hide in the closet you hide in the pantry so for some people small enclosed places freak them out for me small enclosed places i feel safe mm. so mm. as a grown woman my kids were going to school in the couple of days after my brother's murder my kids would go to school my husband would go to work and i would go in my closet mm. as soon as they walk out i'll go in that closet cuz i'll feel safe in there I'll go in there, I'll cry, I'll pray, I'll make my phone calls, I will stay in there. Until I know it's almost time for somebody to come home and I don't want to be you know, scared or nervous that I'm mm-hmm. unraveling, that I try and pull it together and come out. Wow. Wow, wow. And I have a mentor who was also in this field. They came and visited me and I shared this with them about like how I'm retreating to old childhood coping mechanisms. And I don't think you mind me calling his name Dr. Oni. Oh, yeah. Dr. Oni said something to me that was very profound. He said, "Tanya, the rock cannot heal itself." Hmm, I was just about to ask. Wow, wow. How does the therapist find therapy Therapy. you know when you're in this situation exactly what do you do what do you do he said the rock does not heal itself and he gave me a resource for a very great therapist and I was on my way to Africa to bury my brother he said I know you have to go and do what you must do but when you come back you must do what you have to do what you need to do exactly yeah and i went with all the prayers and all the fear and everything i was encouraged to go because my anxiety was so high i was encouraged to go and and see someone you know i was encouraged to go and see someone to go to my doctor and get prescribed something for anti anxiety to calm my nerves and stuff but i told myself going to liberia <laughs> Mm-hmm. I'm going all my sisters. I don't want to be medicated. Yeah. I don't want anything. So anything happy, I my right senses to run. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's how um I went and when I came back, I had to have a honest conversation with myself. In this line of work that we do, we know all the catchphrases. This we've oh, heard yeah. it all. We set across it all. Okay? 
but I had to get real with myself and say, Tanya, you need to go ahead and get some help. Yeah. You need to go ahead and talk. You need to go ahead and be somewhere where you can receive help. So I did grief therapy as um as part of a group of a uh, survivors group of loss. Okay, you have people in there who have people who were murdered, people who lost with a suicide, so traumatic. And for me it was important. Yeah. Cuz I did not want to be in a group where your story becomes the center. Okay? Where it's like, oh, you tell a story everybody that issue to yeah eh. They forget about their own. You want to be in a, in a place where what you're seeing is not shocking. Right. Okay? So that can get out of the way and can get to really what you need to work on, which mm-hmm. is yourself. Okay? Am I all the way there? No. I think I'll always have this dance of with anxiety. But there are um things I know and techniques I know how to do to help myself. Okay? And we can talk about that um you know later when we talk about resources and where to get help. Right. And all of that, you know, but there is help and I I share this to let people know that if you yourself have are going through you know traumatic loss or you also recognize that you've always had this dance with anxiety you know you're not alone you know you're not alone wow powerful thank you so much for sharing that story i know that was not an easy thing to do yeah thank I you can't even imagine what you're dealing with and as we're talking i mean we are we are we are watching looking at her and you can see her rocking yeah you can see the effects of what she's saying and it is true yeah. i mean it's something that stays within and you know they say trauma it lives in the real. body yeah they say trauma lives in the body and the body always remembers and so as she's talking and she's like you know recanting you can see the body kind of moving in a way that is kind of uncomfortable so thank you so much for just you know letting us hear that part of you Oh, okay. So for for um anyone listening, you know, so if we have someone out there that's listening, probably has been through something similar or is currently going through something similar, right? Let's um and this is just a wrap up. I I want us to talk about to touch on self-care a little bit and uh also uh resources that are available for people needing professional help and please include your own information uh for people to reach out to you. Tanya, you want to start? Yeah. So as far as NAMI is the National Alliance of Mental Illness, okay? You can go go them nami.org. They are a great um, resource as far as mental health supports. Okay. And then also we have a suicide awareness hotline. If you know anyone who are having thoughts um of harming themselves, have an intent, have a plan, mm-hmm. please reach out to 1-800-273 talk. 1-800 273 talk this is the national suicide prevention line 
it reads out as 1-800-273-8255. And even if you don't want to pick up the phone and call, you can chat. So you can text this number and someone will chat with you. Okay? But you are not alone. Um, I'm here in the Minnesota area. I have newly founded, um, founded a mental health counseling service called Peace Be Still. You can reach me, Tanya Young, all one word, lowercase, at peace hyphen b hyphen still.com. I get free 30 minute consultations. Um, so if it's something you're in need of, I am here to talk, to share, to help. Water, you want to? Thank you for sharing. Um, I think Tanya has uh, talked about the two main ones that we want to want to make sure we get out there. Um, I'm just gonna throw this one out there for the millennials, right? The, the text era group. Um, not we don't always want to seek help with phone calls or in person but we can start somewhere so there is um for those who again i think this is something that has been a little bit hearing in our community people dealing with suicide and suicidality um just what is it you can text 741 741 so it trans is text for life but it's 741 741 so anytime you're having thoughts or feelings and you want to um reach out to somebody and you don't feel like maybe picking up the phone to talk and talking about it, um, text that number and you will be able to get some help. Um, as far as my personal information is concerned, um, I am currently on um, Instagram and that's where I kind of communicate with a lot of people. So uh, if anyone wants to reach out to me to talk to me, my Instagram page is at therapist underscore Wadi and that's uh, W-A-D-D-I-E. So again, therapist underscore Wadi. And you can get a hold of me and we can kind of talk and I can point you to some resources if you need to. Okay. And um, so I guess that was all. Can you touch a little bit on self-care? Uh, I know we, we talk about therapy, right? Mm-hmm. So if, it, if you feel a little overwhelmed and you feel like, you know, everything that you do on your own is not working, definitely seek professional help. But I mean, just something... Um, some things that people can do on their own to kind of try to alleviate stress and and and, 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 and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there are a lot of things that people can do in order to kind of, you know, troubleshoot and figure out what's going on, see if it makes you feel better. One of the biggest things that we always talk about is exercising, right? Mm-hmm. You can put more time into exercising, even if it's just a walk. And that's something I'm, I'm actually consciously trying every day. Just get up and do something. I have a, you know, you have you can set your steps and say okay i'm gonna take this many steps a day and i'm gonna you know make sure i meet my goals so exercise is one um travel (laughs) traveling is more is is another one traveling more trying to get out of your regular comfort space um connecting to people you know being careful and mindful about who your friends are and who the people are that are in your circle Making sure you're around people that are positive, people that are uplifting, people that want to encourage and see you do well. Because sometimes you, when you're in those spaces where you have 
you know, a certain type of friendship, maybe it's a friend that is always negative or critical, you know, it starts to make you feel a little bit down and low. And so look, making sure your people that are in your circle are people that are there supporting, happy, um, wanting to see you uh, thrive. Um, forgiving. I think forgiveness is something that we don't do so much, but, you know, holding on to things that are heavy, sometimes it, it helps. I mean, it, it burdens your own heart and that person who you're holding on to is going about their thing learn to forgive or try to forgive work hard to forgive even if that person doesn't seem remorseful try to let it go and just figure out how you can move forward without holding on to those things being grateful having an attitude of gratitude is what we say right yeah um, being grateful making sure that we're grateful at all times um mindful exercises yeah. uh yep yeah. um i i have one here saying guard your heart you know kind of be careful about what you let in your space and yeah. who you're letting around and how attached you are getting to things, you know? Um, you know those things that trigger you, you know those things that hurt you. Yeah. Be very careful that um, self-care, we talked about it, but um, self-care can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. You know, most of us look at self-care as taking this big trip to Jamaica and, you know, I don't know, going to the big spa, but it can be very small and very intentional. It's what you need, and it depends on what you need at that time. Some moments you'll need something quick and brief. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it could be as small as you know eating a chocolate, a piece of chocolate in a quiet space, and just enjoying how it feels going in your mouth, savoring it. That's self-care. It could be after you take a bath, you sitting at on your bed and you are lotioning yourself, and um, you know just taking time to like go between all your toes and just loving and rubbing on yourself that that is self-care yeah. it could be sometimes in the morning for example i get up my house is quiet no one's up there's no noise it, i take a, a warm cup of tea i sit on my couch i enjoy it i feel the warm cup on my fingers that's self-care yeah. you know um, it's about being intentional about taking care of yourself yeah do those things that make you feel good yeah and yeah. if it's for 10 minutes if it's for are. one hour just take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Tanya, anything you want to add? I think you covered it mostly, Water, but it's definitely trying to be intentional. Mm -hmm. You know, taking time out for yourself. Like you said, we lead such busy lives. And when you talk about your mental health being, I think a lot of it is impacted by the breakneck, the breakneck speed in which we live, right? Yeah. Um, so you have time to take care of your mental we even come to even start with the physical. So imagine if you're running all the time, you're running yourself into the ground till you don't even feel physically well. Imagine about your mental health, yeah. you know? So sometimes just be intentional to take some time out for you, you know? Even if it's just to be, like you said, just for a few minutes, if it's just to sit and be quiet, meditate, yeah. read your devotionals in the morning, your, your affirmations, say something for yourself. You know, even sometimes when you get home from work, before you walk into that, uh, into your home to start dinner, helping the kids with homework and all of that, you know, sometimes I just sit in my car for two minutes, you know, breathe, listen to maybe the end of my favorite song on the radio, and then you cut it off. It's almost like you're recalibrating. Yes. Okay, you're getting yourself back to your center. So whatever brings you back to your center, if it's reading, if it's writing, if it's going for a little short walk, you know, if you love to cook a soup, 
something that you do that brings you joy, but just for you, just for you to take care of yourself. And even if you're in the um, part where you find like, I, I, I isolate so much, I do so many things by myself. Self-care could be like, you know what? I'm going for a girl's date. Yeah. You know, me and my girlfriends, we're gonna catch a movie. We're gonna go for coffee. We're gonna go roller skating and breaking our behinds. You know, whatever, it's something that brings you back, brings brings you back to you. Yeah. You back to you, you know? Well, I think on that note, we will wrap up this episode. Great conversation. I want to say thank you so much to both of you for sharing your, uh, <laughs> for sharing your, your, uh, your expertise, I guess I would say with us, your experiences. Um, I think for the next episode, we, we want to tackle, we want to talk about mental health and how it impacts our kids and how we can support them so tanya thank you so much for joining us you were our first guest <laughs> so that will go down in the books yes, <laughs> yes. so thank you thank for joining you, us Wade, do you have any last words for yes our don't forget peace be still yes. let's talk about it congratulations <laughs> on opening your own practice we're so thank proud you. of you I'll probably Thank be the you. first one to that, to that, to that. <laughs> Your first client. <laughs> we'll all be in one group together. Don't I worry, know. ladies. <laughs> I know, right? Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks, guys, for listening. Thank you.